It is now time for the Warzone Podcast. Host Chris Anderson, yes, Reverend Carlos Stapleton, as they present you with Behind the Curtain at the top of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Warzone Podcast. Uh, tonight we're going to have a lot of guests. Um, we're going to have a guest um, that's, that you may know. Our first guest coming on tonight is going to be none other than a local wrestling referee. He's been all over the world for, for many years. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get him on here. You may know him as Reverend Carlos. Mr. Reverend, Reverend how are you tonight, brother? Brother, I'm absolutely magnificent. How are you? Thanks for having me on, buddy. It's an honor and a privilege. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on, buddy. I'm doing all right, just trying to get through these rough times, you know, with COVID. You know, we got a social distance, you know, of course. Uh, you know, the wrestling business, there's not a lot of options right now. So, you know, we, we're doing this return episode to try to get some more product out and try to keep connected with our with our fan base, of course. Um, but tell the fans a little bit about you. Tell our viewers a little bit about you, uh, your name, how long you've been in it. Uh, where'd you kind of get your, where'd you kind of get your roots at? Where'd you get started? Oh, man. Well, I started back in 1985. I've been refereeing for about 35 years now. Um, actually got involved in wrestling when I was about 15 or 16. Uh, doing some stuff with Jim Crockett Promotions. I was part of the Lee County Rescue Squad there in Pennington Gap, Virginia. And we would, the Rescue Squad would host Mid-Atlantic to do fundraising and uh, met Tommy Young there and uh, a lot of the others, Stu Fargo, uh, Stu Schwartz, Sonny Fargo, uh, Teddy Long at one point. uh, They started giving me tips and tricks about being a referee and then, uh, Finally, in 1985, um, the wrestling world would know him as Denny Cooley. Right. Uh, we were high school high school friends together, and uh, he and his dad started a, a wrestling company there. And uh, I joined in with them, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Uh, got met up with uh, Mac Murphy, I believe, one of the greatest. Uh, referees to ever grace the squared circle uh he will he knows knows more about wrestling than anybody else could ever hope to forget and uh, he trained me uh in the art of refereeing and uh, we've been doing it since uh yeah you know a lot of us a lot of us got started back back in the time and uh i've had you know really it's it's been a really long travel, you know, to get to where we are now. But you know, um, it's been worth it. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade a mile for it. I wouldn't trade I wouldn't take nothing back from it. You know, as far as you know, with me with me, you know, a little bit about me. You know, uh, I got I got started training early. You know, uh, earlier than most. Uh, and I tell you, I wouldn't regret I wouldn't regret I've ever I wouldn't regret a mile I've ever drove or ever regret 200 miles I've ever drove in this business because, you know, it's been a childhood passion, you know, and to be honest with you, you know, when I was three or four, you know, I just turned it on, you know, watch it with friends, you know, or well, who I thought was my friends at the time, you know, I was, I was a young little kid, you know, and I turned it on just because it looked cool, you know, but it wasn't actually till about, I was probably seven or eight until I actually watched a match between uh, 
Rick Flair and Shawn Michaels um, at that WrestleMania, Rick, Rick Flair's retirement retirement match. Uh, that really got me hooked. Um, it really, really got me hooked. And I'm like, you know, this is something I want to do, you know. And then I hooked up with my uncle that had been in the business for for a little while, and my brothers and stuff like that. And they took me to a local show, and I'm like, dang, that was awesome. You know, so, you know, ever, ever since then, it's just been something that clicked. It's been something that I've wanted to do. Uh, where all of you, but back with you, where all of you refed for? Uh, whose matches have you refed? Have you refed any TV stars, anything like that? I see that, you know, everybody can see that, you know, if they follow you on your Facebook social media account, that, you know, you do a lot of refing for WFS, World Fighting Showcase. Uh, where else have you refed at? Oh, my goodness. Um Um, I did some stuff, uh, just freelance stuff for um, USA, CCW. Um, Good Lord, you're taking me back 35 years, bud. (laughs) Right, Uh, right, yeah. I I took a break. I actually took a a break when Jim Crockett sold out to – Ted Turner, and I kind of stepped away out of the circuit, out of everything. I kind of lost my passion for it. And right, right. When we moved back here to Tennessee, um, I got hooked up with my good friend Ricky Morton, and uh, mm-hmm. he uh, he let me work off a little uh, ring rust in the ring, and then uh, Tony Givens, when he had Smoky Mountain, NWA Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, yeah. He gave me my go back in. And uh, the first match I worked was a match holding up the uh, NWA USA heavyweight title, tag titles. Um, and I, I, I swear to God, Chris, that is probably one of the most overlooked tag teams in the world today. Yes. Uh, we're talking about we're talking about three-time NWA World Champions, uh, one of only three teams in the history of the NWA to ever hold the world titles and the U.S. titles at the same time. They're they're in a wow. very they're in a very elite club with the Steiner Brothers and the Midnight Express. So I right. mean, um, like I say, those guys are tag team elite and really need to be on mainstream uh, somewhere. Uh, I would like to see him go to AEW myself, but uh, that's yeah. just me. Yeah, you you look at a lot of those those guys that, you know, started, you know, I've watched, uh, you know, I've watched a lot of KFW. I've watched a lot of uh, NWA, you know, with Circle City, of course, uh, in Indiana, and then I've watched a lot of the NWA Smoky Mountain, you know, when Tony Givens was was producing that, you know, you look at the, the tag teams like the Ugly Dunklings, uh, Toby Farley, um, Jeff that, those are Jeff Conley. Uh, those are, yeah. Th- these are tremendous, tremendous talents that I believe have been overlooked by a lot of the major companies. I agree. You know, and then you look at, uh, you look at, uh, let's say you look at Ricky's son, uh, Kerry making a making a huge statement on the indie scenes, you know, with KFW, uh, Kapow. Um, and then you look at Kenzie Page, dude. You know, Kenzie Page, 
Yeah. And then, you know, Kenzie Page's boyfriend or husband or whoever, um, Hunter Drake, which is a kid that I've watched since ever since he started, you know, a guy that Hunter Drake's a kid, a kid that's going to the one of the best training academies. You know, you've got a lot of training academies. That's that's awesome. You know, you've got the school of Morton and Chucky. You've got Dr. Tom and, and Glenn Jacobs, WWE superstar Kane uh, in Knoxville, um, you know. You, you can't ask for, you know, you, you look at the options now for training back compared back with, to when we were breaking in. You know, we didn't have a lot of options like these kids has got today. Um, we didn't. No, we sure didn't. You know, it was, you know. It we, was very, it was, it, it was very, very hard to get in. Yes. Back when you and I tried. Yes. When you and I broke Yeah, in. it was, it was tough. You in know, fact, you, you, you look at it now, you know, you look at your old school, you know, you were brought up back in the day, you know, you look at it now. Um, I truly believe if you look at these guys like Toby Farley, uh, Caleb Courageous, uh, Tyler Foshi, uh, the Ugly Dunklings, Travis Lynn, Travis Lee, uh, these guys that, that put in the time, Lenny Stratton is another one. Uh, his wife, Nicole Payne. You, you know, you look at these guys and you, you – guys, gals, you look at them and you're like, well, you know, these W uh, – you know, WWE or the AEW or NWA or NWA Power, you know, people like that has really, you know, uh, overlooked these guys, you know, like Toby Farley needs to be on a bigger level than he is. He's very talented, very respected in the business, and a guy that I – a guy that I wouldn't – at no no promotion in Tennessee or anywhere in the world would never go wrong having the guys that I named on their show at all. Um, you know, oh, absolutely, absolutely not. And I've had the, the great honor and privilege to work with every one of them you've named off. Um, and, and that, to me – I, I mean, I've worked with some of the greats in the business. I've worked with B.A. Billy Gunn. I've worked with uh, Jack Swagger. I've worked with, um, oh, geez, um, who, who else? Uh, Crimson and Jax Dane. Yes. Uh, I, worked, I worked with Jax Dane when he was the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. champion. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of the big names, and – these guys that you've mentioned are right up there with them, and that's just being cold, brutally honest. Yeah, I mean, um, you look at you look at another not, guy that that's got some years in the business that's really that's really not been not being recognized like he should, and, that, and he went by picture perfect. Jordan Cage, another great talent. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, talking old school, I never will forget one of the first matches I ever worked when Mac McMurray took me under his wing. We were at the Cozart warehouse in Pennington Gap, Virginia, where I, that's where I grew up. Um, it was hotter than blue blazes and it was a tobacco warehouse. Yeah. And I remember those. it was hotter than blue blazes in there. Yes. And the first, one of the first matches I worked was with, uh, Jamie Gibson. Uh-huh. Um, and, Back then, he was about probably a buck fifty, buck seventy five at best. Mm-hmm. And the three of us in that ring were green as gourds. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was back then the card that was there. My God, it was to me, it was an outstanding card. 
the Mongolian Stomper was there. Professor Boris Malenko was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ronnie Garvin was there. Cowboy Bob Orton Jr., Randy Orton's dad, was there. Um, and I worked at Archie Goaty, Archie Goaty, the stomper, you know, his real name, Archie Goaty. He's the one that trained me. Um, he was, he was an absolute gem of a human being. It broke my heart when he died. Um, he was an absolute gem of a, of a man, uh, a tremendous, tremendous wrestler. And I was honored to share the ring with him once or twice when uh, he had, uh, not only Professor Malenko, but uh, Ron Wright as a manager. If you remember Ron and Don and uh, Wayne Rogers. I do. Today. Um, but anyway, I was work. I worked a match with Jamie, and the three of us in that ring were green yeah. as gourds. Oh, my goodness. Every time, you know, the referee has – you try to stay out until you need to be in the uh-huh. Every time I tried to get out of the way, I got more in the way, and it just – it was ugly. It was, yeah. You know, it ain't like it was then, though. <laughs> we came back to the dressing room, and I never will forget it. Mac McMurray and Tim Horner were bent over double yeah. laughing at me. I mean, tears streaming down their face. It was, uh, oh, my God, they were laughing at me so hard. And uh, Bob Orton, Cowboy Bob Orton walked up to me. And I never will forget this because not only did I learn a bunch, I think I think I garnered a lot of respect from the veterans in the room because I said this and I, I'm I meant it to to the bottom of my heart. Right. Because I love this I love this business of professional wrestling. It is to me it's the greatest thing in the world since sliced bread. And well, if anybody's seen me, you know I like to eat. So right, uh, right. we uh he looked at me and uh, he said, don't you ever get in a ring with me because I'll hurt you. Right. And I, I looked at him and I said, Mr. Orton, sir, with all due respect, I hope that one day your opinion will change because once I garner more experience and more training, I hope to be just like Matt. Right. We shook hands and parted, and we've never seen each other since. And, you know, like I say, we're talking 35 years ago. But I've always been one I, – I, I so much respect what these guys do in the ring. I, I never had the athletic prowess to uh, get up in there and work the magic that they do. Right. These guys, these guys, to me, there's no such thing as a true jobber because you are trained. You're a wrestler. You're not a jobber. You're a wrestler. So you don't win every match. Big deal. Pin me, pay me. Right. You know, even if, if you're doing what, what they call the job. Yeah. You're getting other guys over. And my job, what Mac always taught me as a referee, was first and foremost, my job is to protect the safety of the men in the ring. Right, correct. That's number one priority, yes. Number two is I am the narrator of the story. That's right. The guys in the, guys in the ring tell the story. Yes. They work the magic. 
But that magic comes to life when I go down and count that three. That's right. Or when I step in there to make that hot break or to, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, if I take the ball. Right. That's 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 my job. And the other thing is to communicate with the wrestlers if something's going wrong. Right. And 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 narrate the story for the fans because I'm the integrity in the ring. Right. I'm for lack of a better term, I'm the popo in the ring. Right. Correct. You know, it's me as a referee that makes the integrity of the match. Right. Because nobody else can count that three. Right. Nobody else can enforce the rules. And so what Mac always taught me and what I've tried to live by is any fool can get in there and count a three. Mm-hmm. But codicil yeah a good referee a good referee who's been trained knowledgeable about what's going on with ring psychology and and match flow and and match progression um that referee can take a bad match and make it good right he could take he could take a good match and make it great right but he can also take an absolutely stellar match and make it stink to high heaven with kickback. Right. And, and, you know, and, you, and look, we see, you look at the business now, what do you now not trying to change the subject, but on, on wrestling today, how do you think it's different? You know, my opinion and your opinion, you know, I've told my opinion in, in previous podcasts, uh, but what do you think about the business today? How's it different today than what it was when you started breaking in? Back in the day when Jim Crockett promotions held prominence uh, with Mid-Atlantic Wrestling and you had world-class out of uh, Texas and I always wanted to work the Sportatorium. Um, You know, you had world-class out of – out of Texas and you had a lot of other, um, the AWA burn Um, right. You know, those were class organizations, but the one thing they all had in common was they were all good storytellers. Right. They all, all the matches made sense and they led to the buildup for either a, a big extravaganza event, um, let's take what I consider to be the first ever pay-per-view. Right. A lot of people would not, would not consider it a pay-per-view, but I would because it was available on closed circuit television and you had to go somewhere and pay your money to watch it. Right. I mean, it wasn't available on household TV until it came out on VHS. Right. But that's Starcade, that's Starcade 83. Right. A flare for the go. The buildup to that, the storytelling to that worked. Yes. Fans were invested in the product. Fans could get invested in that match between Ric Flair and Harley Race. Right. Fans could get invested in um, matches like, let's go to Starcade 85, Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Look at the psychology. Look at the buildup. Look at the storytelling. Right. You got invested in the product. And what I see happening today, the storytelling has kind of gone by the wayside. Right. I agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing is a no lot of, uh, man. What I'm seeing is a lot of what I would call a spot test. Yes. High spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. Go to the finish. We're done. No, there's and and People. those are cool. You know those matches. You know when 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 I say you know when I say certain things about high spot, high spot. You know, people will judge and people will will hate on me because of what I'm saying about that. I'm not saying that's not a bad thing, but what I'm saying is you got to know how to put that into the match to, for it all to make sense. Uh, you know, you don't need, you don't need a high spot. Every, every move you can do, you don't need a high spot on every move you do. Um, show them technical, show them, tell them a story. Uh, be, uh, you know, like you on change the subject, you've got promoters, uh, promoting shows. They're getting on Facebook live and promoting their shows and they're either smoking a cigarette and, or, you know, shoving food down their neck. Uh, my big thing is, um, if you're smoking and you're promoting the show, you're supposed to be the promoter. What's that show in today's generation? How are people supposed to take you serious? If you're a promoter, you need to be a promoter. You need to dress the part, look the part, be the promoter. And on top of that, you got to know the business before you can be a promoter. Agreed. And, you know, they call it professional wrestling for a reason. Right. Any of us involved in the business, when we're doing like this podcast, for instance, right. or we're doing a live show, or we're doing television taping, right. um, you have to look professional if you want people to think you are professional. Right. You have to act professional. You have to you have to show that professionalism not only in the ring, but outside of the ring, because you're judged out there just as much as you are inside the ring. Right. Correct. And, um, you know, like you said, there's a place for high spot wrestling and there's a place for it in every show because you have to look at what your fans want. And that's one of the things I miss. And I can tell you one of the best tag teams ever to do Calling it in the ring. Ricky yes. Morton is one of the best today that can go out there, read the crowd, call the match in the ring, and keep the crowd invested from start to finish. You know why? You want me to tell you why? He understands the psychology of the business. He knows the psychology of the business. He knows the business. He's been in the business long enough to know how to, how something will work. And I say that to say this. In this business, I'll tell you where a lot of people fail. Uh, you know, as, as as a part of a baby, we'll we'll talk about Hill and how to get old school cheap heat later on later on in the podcast. But in this part of the podcast, we want to discuss um, how up up and coming babies are not getting the pop and I'll
Ladies and gentlemen, part two of the Warzone podcast with guest Reverend Carlos Stapleton. We'll begin shortly. Tune back in. It's coming your way. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Warzone podcast, part two with Carlos Stapleton. Uh, We're just going to pick up right where we left off on part one. Um, So, Carlos, like I was saying at the ending of part one, you know, stuff matches now is not making sense. Uh, You know, nobody's – when they go out there, they're not really telling a story. They don't know how to tell a story. It's because they're working for a promoter that don't even know what storytelling is because if if they were any kind of promoter, and I'm not judging, I'm not – uh, putting any kind of heat on anyone, don't want no heat, I'm just saying. Um, they need to know how to go out there and tell a story, go out there and just enough to keep them coming back, keep them in suspense so they'll wonder what's going to happen next so that we can put asses in the seats and keep putting asses in the seats. Do you agree? I would agree. And here's the thing, a lot of promoters – uh, now, just my opinion. I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not calling out anybody. It's just what I'm seeing. Well, you go okay. ahead and say what you feel you my, need to say. This podcast here, this podcast here is is strictly straight up. It's not PG. So, well, let me just preface it all by saying this: my opinion of five bucks gets you a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, a, a lot of promoters have forgotten what storytelling and match progression is. If you watch right. the old days of the NWA, and, and let's even go back to the old days of the WWF pre-attitude era. Right. Now, I'm talking going back old school. Right, right, yeah. You had match progression. Your opening match, your opening match started to build up to Mm -hmm. your main event. Okay? And it should be an uphill climb. It shouldn't have a big dip in the middle. Like, there's one one show in particular, and I'm not going to mention any names, but you can watch the first 15 minutes of it, Go eat supper, uh, spend time with your family or whatever. Come back for the last 20 minutes of the show and you ain't missed much because it Mm -hmm. starts out high, dumps in the middle, and then picks back up at the end. But if you have that upward progression where you start out with your opening match, and if you start out with a tremendous opening match, you've got to build to that. And I'm going to use an NXT card. As an example, mm-hmm. and it's the one they had, I believe it was just last week. They opened opened the show with Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Right. That's main event. That, that's a main event match no matter where you go. Right. But they did it right. They opened with that stellar match. And they had an upward climb to the main event match, which was 
Rhea Ripley, and Mercedes Martinez, and they brought the house down in that cage. That was old but school. I'm telling you, that wrestling. That match is absolutely was absolutely stellar. It was that, absolutely that was five stellar. star. And so you see what I'm saying. Now let's take it even further. Let's talk about now. Everybody's got their pay per views. You got uh, AEW just had All Out not too long ago. Right. Uh, you got uh, in the WWE building up to uh, Clash of Champions. Okay, right. so you've got your shows, and you take that show, your main event of the show you're in should lead to your next show, and Correct. you ramp up again. Now, when you get to the go-home, you've got to take that ramp and then escalate it to build up your pay-per-view. Right. You see, you see how the progression goes. Right, yeah. That, that progression's been forgotten, at least in yeah. at least eyes, because what you what I'm seeing out there today, and like I say, I'm not calling out any specific promotion. What I'm seeing out there today is you get match, bunch of promo, match, more promo, yeah, match, more promo. People don't want to see a bunch of people on the stick for 20, 30 minutes. They want wrestling. I mean, come on. It's supposed to be a male soap opera on testosterone. Come on now. We want to see. We want to see people get beat up. Right. That, right. Professional wrestling is just that. It's a soap opera on testosterone. And 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 to add to what you're saying, you know, you take you know you take these you take these promotions that's that's lacking. You know they'll learn over time. You know, but you take these promotions and you and you put them on. You put them on a chart and. And you would see how much you know their their progression in their shows is not is not picking up. And I'll tell you, they they put a big extravaganza show, and two or three people in the crowd shows up. And I'll tell you why that happens because they don't they don't build their product. You because the way that I was taught, and because I run Red Zone Wrestling Federation, it's going to start running back in twenty twenty one. So you never know, you may be a ref at my show. But, you know, Beyond in, the process, the good, in the process of that, like I said, would be honored to have you. Um, in the process of that, you know, you look at it and they put on these big extravaganzas. I was always taught in, in running a show or running any kind of business because, you know, my shoot job, I own a uh, cell phone electronic repair business. You've got to know how, in a wrestling perspective, you've got to you've got, before you can before your your company can get red hot. You've got to know how to build your guys. You know you got to know how to get your guys over before your company gets red hot. And you know, and to add to that, you 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 got to know how to do that because if you're not doing that along the way, six or eight months down the road after you've had your big big opening show six or eight months down the road they're not going many people's not going to follow you and you're not going to have as many people at that extravaganza that you did at that first show because 
you know, when you put out product, you got to know how to put out product that people pay into. You got to put out, if you're going to put it on TV or you're going to put your, your, your big extravaganza show on high spots, if you ain't got that following, and you ain't got that that build up, and you ain't got that following, and you ain't got the people behind the product that you're putting out. To wrap things up, to be simple, you've got to put out product that people want to watch, and soon you got to put out that enough product that people want to buy into. You gotta. Uh, I'm a big listener to the Busted Open Busted Open uh, Radio Show. Uh, yes. Sarah XM, Dave LaGreca, Bully Ray, Mark Henry, Tommy Dreamer. Yeah. They were talking about this very same thing we're talking about right now. And Bully Ray said it best. You got to give us something to look forward to. Right. You can't. There for a while, I didn't even watch hardly any professional wrestling on TV because it was always the same thing. It was, you'd see the same matches over and over and over. And some of the things like I've got to give credit again to bully Ray. What happened to the finishers, not changing the subject, but adding to the subject here. What happened to the finishers? It used to be when you got nailed with a super kick, that was over. It was called a super kick for a reason. Right. But now you've got them kicking out of a super kick. Right, right. And I'll yeah. add to that. You know, I'll add to what you're saying now. You know, you 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 say, you know, that to, and and to put to to top that off what you just said. Uh, you know, not taking anything away from what you're saying, you know, but you know, anything you do in your match, you've got to make it believable because the wrestling fans, they study this shit. Okay. Absolutely. So you you've got to go out there and you've got to trick their mind. You know, you don't want them coming to your local indie show, uh, seeing the same thing that they can set out and you're charging what, ten, twelve bucks for tickets, okay? And they're sitting at home paying nine ninety nine for the WWE network and watching the same thing that they just paid twelve or fifteen dollars for, okay? Uh, you got to know how to trick their mind. You've got to know how to more or less trick their mind. Like I said, uh, you've got to make it believable. Uh, a 300-pound guy splashing a 80-pound guy through a table and that 80-pound guy kicking out, no, that's not believable to me. Uh, you know, that, let, that, let don't, me, uh, that don't make sense. Let me let me put it, let me let me drop this in here. I'm gonna I'm gonna share a couple of stories with you real quick that I think will emphasize my point and your point, too. Go ahead. To me, one of the greatest compliments I can ever get in a wrestling wrestling match is when a fan or somebody will walk up to me and say, my God, was that real? Right. The magic worked. Right. I took. I worked a match, and Tommy Young was my second referee. It was the first time right. I'd worked with Tommy Young in probably 25, 27 years then. Right. And I was working a match between uh, Dwayne Titan Smith and Brent Banner. Um, they had a feud going on in Georgia. 
and they came to Elizabethan to settle it for right. a charity. And right. we did we did the full psychological workup. We did the whole promo thing and uh, bringing Tommy Young in, and that's when I was made uh, the senior official for Evolution Championship Wrestling. Was with this when this match came to be, and Tommy Young came in. Uh, right, I took a spear from Titan Smith. Right, right. I mean, it was oh, it was beautiful. I, I got to tell you, it was beautiful. My phone after that match blew up with messages. Oh my God, are you okay? All right. <laughs> have any broken ribs did you are, are you okay and i was right, getting it from right. not only fans i was getting it from workers now tell me was that believable right right yeah no oh now here's one even better for you i was working a match and we called a pushback spot and the the heel in the match said look when you push me, I'll take a big back, back bump and then get in my face. Okay, no problem. So we get to the spot. He pushes me, and I do the the Hulk Hogan thing, I guess you could call it. I look down at my stripes, and I pull them up off my chest. Right. My head comes up with fire and daggers coming out of my eyes. And I right. am hands grill don't you ever and i mean i'm blowing up right right when we got back to the dressing room the guy looks at me and goes my god you weren't mad at me were you no why it's what you said we need to do right 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 i had him believing it he knew what was going on right that's that's the good thing you know you you sit and you look at it you know that's that's the stuff people want to see. You know, you put that heel pushes a referee automatically. He and when that referee fights back, he's going to get heat automatically, and that's going to be the most loved referee ever because he fought back. And you know, you look at it. You know, changing the subject here. Let's move on later on down to the podcast. Some things that we we need to discuss to try to get out there. If Everywhere you've been, you know, recently, uh, where do you see – who do you see making it somewhere, you know, uh, as far as, you know, my choice in this business, my choice as far as up and coming, my choice would be people like Hunter Drake, uh, Tyler Foshi. Uh, People like that are really – are really – they've got the ears. They listen. You know, um, I haven't had the the honor of working them guys yet. Um, well, it should be reversed. But anyway, like I said, you know, I would – that's my goal. You know, in 2021, I'm coming back. I'm, I'm making an in-ring return back to the business after three years. Um, I had a match on August 15th uh, to try to – it was more or less a warm-up match for Tennessee Championship Pro Wrestling. Um, but – I'm going to be coming back, you know. So, you know, there's a lot of people on my list that I would that I would love to work, you know, like Toby Farley, uh, Larry Cooter, uh, people like that. Um, 
you know, Caleb Courageous, Tyler Foshi, Hunter Drake, Kenzie Page, Kerry Morton. Uh, Kerry Morton's actually been on an episode of the Warzone podcast in the past. I just um, listened to that episode not too long ago. Yeah, he was on a podcast with us, and uh, we, you know, we kind of discussed him. You know, he's, you know, that's that's what I like to do, not only away from the wrestling business as far as showbiz goes, but when talk showbiz comes around, I like to keep it. I like to, I don't like to keep bringing the same old people to the show. You know, yeah. I like to bring, I like to bring new, fresh guys in. Uh, guys of this generation, guys of last year's generation, the, the generation before, generation from decades ago, try to keep it all similar because when you bring in the same old people every show, it gets boring, man. It gets boring. And, you know, but, but back to what I asked you, man, me, my choice would be Tyler Foshi, Hunter Drake, people like that um, would would really stand out the most to me. What about you? as far as this generation goes? Well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm currently the senior official for Intense Championship Wrestling Asylum out of uh, Morristown. Yeah. Um, and I'm also the senior official for the World Fighting Showcase. And I've, I've gotten to see a lot of great talent. Um, someone who I think could hit it big, and I mean just absolutely knock it out of the park given the right opportunity is Josh Strong. The kid has got it all. He can high fly. If you want the high flying stuff, he can do that. If you want the old school, let's not touch the ropes or the turnbuckles, work 10 minutes in the center and do a scientific match. He can do that for you. He's good on the stick. He's got a good look, but even more than that, is watching he the him, guy that used to go by Jeff X. Yep, that's the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, the thing that that he can not only get over, he can put somebody over as well. Right. That that to me is it. He is he's one of the unsung heroes out there that needs to be moved up. Another another one who has been kind of looked over, uh, I believe. Um he he's uh, a former America's American champion for WFS, and that's David Anthony. The kid's got tremendous talent. Tremendous talent. He and Murphy Costigan, which is a heel that could go over anywhere, honestly. Um, they had tremendous matches together, and I was privileged to work most of them. And these two can put on one whale of a match. And David Anthony is a very strong face. Um, he, he can get over with the crowd very quickly. He can, he can work the mic. Um, Murphy Costigan as a heel. He's one of the very few I've seen that are that is able to draw heat. And I'm talking not cheap heat, not cuss somebody out and get heat. I'm talking about just walking through the curtain and the people hate this man. Right. 
that's when you know you do something like that. That's when you know I've seen guys where they're where they're so hated at these shows and these promotions and, and in these different areas as far as Morristown, Clinton, Knoxville, Lafayette, Cartledge, whatever, wherever the show's at, Ohio, Texas, wherever. Their music hits. They don't even come out. It's just their music drops, and all of a sudden, people's throwing bottles at them, cussing them out. Boom, Absolutely. Boom, boom. That's when you know right then and there that you're over. Murphy Costigan, like I say, that kid draws heat. The minute you hear his music, it starts. But when he clears that curtain, it's over. The right. heat is so intense, it's not even fun. Well, you know, I've, I've said and, and I've watched some of Murphy Costigan's stuff. And uh, like I said, I work a lot. I own a business, shootly. So, you know, it. it's not like every every time I get turn the TV on, I watch stuff. But, you know, Murphy Costigan, I, I will say, um, as far as in-ring talent, heat, getting heat, uh, one of the best that's ever done. I'm not going to say the I, best, but he's one of the best that's ever done. No, I can't say I can't say he's the best either because I mean you go old school. You're talking guys like Baron von Raschke could draw that kind of heat. Um, Ox Baker could draw that kind of heat, and these these are probably names that a lot of these younger kids don't even know. Right, right. And, you know, even even our good mutual good friend, may God rest his soul, Archie Golding, the Mongolian Stomper. Yes. He could draw heat without saying a word. And yes. um, you know, those kind of those kind of heels are, are few and far between now. Um and I'm gonna bring up names now that we have <coughs> excuse me. We have hashed out before and we've talked about them here on on this this portion. Uh is the heat seekers. Yes. Elliot yes. Russell and Matt Sig and Sigmund are Absolutely, I believe in the top ten in the world. Should be, I and, remember and they should be. They should be out there. Do you remember when Sigmund first started? Because I do. He started at a little bitty company. Uh, maybe not started, but um, he hadn't been in the business too long at this time. Because um, my oldest brother, the headhunter Ryan Luther, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, and if you've worked with Sigmund, I'm sure that you have. Um, Sigmund started with him in UWA um, over in Clinton, Tennessee. Uh, they, 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 they run a show out of a two-car garage, uh, and it was a really good show. And then you take it back. Now, I'm, I'm giving you a little bit of background of what the older companies that I've, that I've been that I've had the honor and privilege of being in, and that was, you know, not working the shows, but just going and being a fan, uh, you know, going and watching local shows um, would be ECB. Um, they ran in a little bitty place called Maynardville, Tennessee, at a two-car garage air conditioning uh, building. Uh, man, and it was a two-car garage, not, not a lot of room. Not the big flashy fancy lights, um, not the big ceiling fans, chandeliers. Um, they had at this time, I think they had a uh, 
a 16 by 16 ring at this time, maybe an 18 by 18. The further, the the longer that they ran shows, you know, they would update with the years. But um, starting out their very first show, they had a 16 by 16, um, and it was people like Tracy Smothers, uh, people Ooh, like the in the business right there. God love that man. Yeah, Ron and Don Wright, uh, the Dirty White Boys, Jimmy Golden, uh, Stomper. Uh, you know, Jesse Ellis, Chester, Lance Blaze, uh, people, people that, that started in the business, um, and has left the business. A lot of them's not with us, not with me anymore. Uh, Chester, he died, I think of a massive heart attack, uh, due to a blockage, um, rest his soul. And, you know, it's guys like that, that nowadays, locker rooms nowadays, you, you look at this perspective now, locker rooms nowadays, the Mongolian Stone for Tracy Smothers, uh, Jimmy Golding, they would walk in, they would look, feel the vibe, and they would leave. They would get their shit, and they would leave. That's how bad the locker rooms have, have gotten. Well, let me let me drop this on you. I was listening to a busted open cast. Uh, I want to say it was two weeks ago, and Tommy Dreamer was on with Bully Ray. Uh, they were doing the the fat and the furious, as they call it, is when Dave LaGreca wasn't on. And Tommy opened up on the business. And there was one thing that just really stuck with me when he opened up about safety and things in today's business. Right. He said he had a talk. He said he had a talk with Terry Funk. Right. And what a legend right there, Terry Funk. But yeah. he and Terry was talk were talking and Terry said something to, to Tommy and Tommy shared it on the air. And it stuck with me. Terry asked Tommy, who's going to tell our story? And he wasn't talking about Terry Funk dying. Right. He was talking about our business. Right. Who's going to tell our story? And, and that just set me, you know, where are the people who remember when and respect history yes. you know it's like a lot a lot of kids today don't understand what the premise is of wiping your feet before you get in the ring they understand it as a cleanliness issue but there's two other things that come in there and it really just it crawls under my skin when the wrestler doesn't wipe his feet when he gets in the ring I yes. wipe my feet every time and it's it, to me, not only is it a cleanliness issue, and Mac McMurray taught me this. Number two, it's respect for your business. It's respect for your ring. It's respect for your stage. Yes. That is your stage, and you show it respect by wiping your feet before you get in it. It's just like when you go into any martial arts studio, you take your shoes off before you step on that training mat and you bow. You pay respect yes. to what's, what that is. The third thing it says, and this is what a lot of kids today are not getting. You are telling your partner in that ring that I am leaving my personal garbage outside 
I'm leaving all that outside and I'm going to get in this ring and I am going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you and I am going to give you the best I've got tonight. Okay, let me, now that you've said that, let me let me include something. Do you think, you're old school, so do you think personal and professional is two different things? Yes and no. Okay. It's yes. Fun. Yes, I believe personal and professional are two different things. You should leave any personal crap outside the locker room. Right. Just like you check, you should check your ego outside the locker room. Right. When you step into that locker room and you step into that arena, you have somebody else's life in your hands. Right. And it is your job, and me pay me, it is your job to make sure that you get through the match without getting hurt. Yourself and who you're working with. That's part of your job. Right. Is to make sure they're taken care of. You should separate personal and the locker room. Right. Now, sometimes what happens personal takes effect in the locker room. Somebody says something, somebody does something, and instead of taking it and talking it out, hashing it out, and leaving it in the dressing room or leaving it in the parking lot, it gets carried out to the ring. Yes. And then you, then, you get, then you get a shoot, you get somebody getting tatered, somebody getting stretched, some then receipts start happening and the match breaks down and you're in a you're in a shoot fight. Yeah. Um that's why I say yes and no. Yes, it should all be left. Any personal beefs need to be left in the parking lot. Right. They should not come into the locker room. They should not come into the ring. Now, am I saying that you can't use it as a storyline? Absolutely you could. It makes for some of the best stuff. It it makes for some of the most believable stuff you can ever do. But you've got to temper it in the locker room. You've got to say, okay, we've got this beef. We've got this beef, and we'll settle it, but let's use it as a storyline so we can put more butts in the seats, so we can get more attention, so we can get bigger crowds to work in front of, so we can get the bigger paydays. And I'm going to say four words here that uh, any of us old schoolers would have – we cringed the very minute you heard it because you knew what was about to happen. And I I can't wait to hear what you do when I say these four words. Sorry, house was light. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I remember them days. I was waiting to see what you'd do. Those were the four most hated words in professional wrestling. Yes. But how many times did how many times did we do it? You go to the arena, you set up the arena, you set up the ring, you put the chairs down, you put everything together, then you go out there and you 
do your match. You tear everything down. The promoter said, sorry, house was like, you didn't even get a hot dog or a handshake. And what do we do? Drive 200 miles and do it again the next night. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's with, you know, you look at these, you know, you look at it now, you know, when I, I, I go live a lot on, on Facebook, you know, do my wrestling rants every, every chance that I get, you know, uh, you, you look at this business and you look at what this business, you know, has become, you know, um, you know, I was, I was brought up in the business in a different mannerism. Um, I was brought up personal, professional. The only time personal should ever be brought into professional or into a show is if it's going to be used off of, for a storyline. Um, so because that makes money, that makes that makes crystals turn into diamonds, and diamonds is what makes puts money in your pocket. So um, there you go. You know, it's it's to the point where if you're if I'm getting ready to work you, okay, if I'm getting ready to work you in a match or whatever, uh, and you come out do your entrance, and I was always taught unless the heel was a champion, the heel always comes out first. Um, it gets that baby a better pop when he comes out. Um, but you look at it now, and you and you look at it. You know, back in the back in the nineties, even back in the sixties, uh, you know, if you didn't, if you got in the ring with somebody and you didn't wipe your feet before you got in there, they beat your ass when you got in there with them, just because you didn't do something like wipe your feet. Because it shows respect to to the ring. It shows respect, or as you say, your stage. It shows respect to the guy that you're about to work. And it shows respect for the people that's in there with you. And it shows respect for the promoter taking the time to give you a shot on his show. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and if you can't respect the people that's paved the way for you in this business, the ones that's giving you your shot, because without a promoter, us wrestlers, we don't get nowhere because we have nowhere to work. So if we don't, with without the fans, without the promoters, there is no wrestlers. Without the fans, there are no wrestlers. So, the fans is everything. The fans means everything. Um, yeah. You know, the fans is what make the fans is what, why, like you said, when the house is light, the fans is what is the ones that, that motivate us to drive 200 some, 200 some miles away for not even a hot dog or even a handshake drive all the way back and do it again the next night. And the fans is the reason that we do that because we're there to put the best product and put our bodies on the lines to give them the best live wrestling experience that we can until our body says we can't do it no more. They're, they're the reason that we do what we do. You know, I, I worked, I've worked a couple of uh, no audience shows and it is so different it is it's not funny because you don't unless you're in that ring and have been in that ring you don't understand how much those fans mean to us yeah because that's what you we know, feed off of well let me put it this way i've got two boys my oldest is profoundly autistic right um my youngest is 
on the high end of the autism spectrum, and he's gotten in the ring a couple of times uh, doing uh, lightsaber battles. And I'm going to throw a big thank you out there to ICWA for having him out there and uh, giving him his first honest-to-God true championship belt. Um, it, me personally, me personally, I don't know ICWA. I've I've seen their stuff on YouTube, but you know, like I said, with them doing that with with your boy and him, with with the issues that he has in life, you know, uh, I, I I won't say a big thank you. I know ICWA don't know me. Uh, the people at ICWA don't know me, but I want to say that's awesome. I want to say that that shows respect from me to you and from a superstar. I- a businessman to another promoter. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, this is, this is how far the business goes. And I, I would have, you know, people don't understand the family aspect of it. And then I'm going to go back to what I was saying. I met Bill Goldberg at chance Scott here before, in. Before, uh, you, say, before you say this, I want to say, um, I do want to put this out there. I do want to touch on this because I've got fans chiming in right now. I've got fans chiming in on my Twitch wanting to, wanting to know my both of our true opinions of what a champion for a, for a company is. Um, I'll start by uh, with the main strap, and then you can proceed. Then we can go into what you was about to talk, to talk about. i got to get uh-huh. this answer from fans. Um, sure. Um, a true – Heavyweight champion, okay? My true opinion, you call yourself a world heavyweight champion. Unless that title is going all over the world, then you're just a heavyweight champion. You're not a world heavyweight champion, first and foremost. You're a brand champion. Right. Uh, You're the bingo champion, whatever. Um, And then I say this. A, A heavyweight champion, in my perspective, keep in mind, this is coming from someone that's old school. Uh, but my, I understand some things in this generation ain't like it was back then. Uh, but my true opinion of a heavyweight champion, that's the guy that carries the company on his shoulders. That's the guy that whether he's baby or famous, it doesn't matter. It's the title that you're the heavyweight champion for that promotion. That guy, that champion, he goes out here and he does things for kids. He goes out here and he does things for for charities. He goes out here and he does things for uh, Susan G. Coleman, or if he can get in contact with them. He goes out here and he does charities for kids. He goes out here and he does, and he appears at these fundraisers. Uh, he appears at these cancer society uh, events. And 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 I mean, that's the true, my true opinion of what a real world-class champion is. He goes out here um, he gives it his all when he's at the shows. He goes above and beyond um, for for the people that pay to see him. He goes above and beyond to make that title mean what it means or what it should mean. Heavyweight champions, in my opinion, heavyweight champ. People want to say belts are just a prop. Belt to me is not a prop because a belt to me means that that promoter or this this promoter or whoever had enough had enough confidence in me that they, they liked me enough and like my in-ring work and my, my stick work and, and all of that to be able to carry that company as their main strap holder. Now you go, Carlos. 
I couldn't agree with you more 100%, Chris. If you put the title, and first of all, if you call it a world title, like you said, it needs to be defended around the world. It's just like the WFS titles. Uh, the tag team titles currently held by the C Heat Seekers. The WFS titles were defended in Japan and JPW, if right. I remember correctly. Those are true world titles. Right. Just like you said, when the promoter has enough faith in you and has enough confidence in you to put that one title just the one title that says you are the champion of this promotion right he's put that he's put his promotion on your shoulders to make him money right and let me give you three stellar examples of a world heavyweight champion and we're gonna go. We're gonna go old school. First off, mm -hmm. with Harley Race. Oh yes, Harley Race when he carried the NWA World Heavyweight Title, and no offense to any other brand, I believe that to be the most prestigious World Championship out there in professional wrestling today. That yes, sir. title has the most history. Yes. and has the most prestige behind it than any other title out there. And 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 look what Nick Aldis is doing with it to this day. Dang, if you just didn't hit my third one. Nick Aldis, when he comes out with that NWA title, he carries it with pride. You don't see him coming out there looking like a slug. Yeah, I'm a world heavyweight champion. I'm going to whoop somebody's rear end tonight. Oh, come on. Please. Yeah, really. That man right there you're, you're, you're is the, the truth. He's you're the, the truth. You're the biggest thing the company has. You're the biggest thing the company has. He's the, look, he's, look in my part. opinion, I think, Nick Aldis, you look at Nick Aldis. That's the true example of an old school world heavyweight elite superstar right there. Now, let me give you my, let me give you one in the middle. He even brings it back classic and holds it to the side like Ric Flair did. Absolutely, and that was where I was headed. Right. Without Harley Race, there wouldn't have been a Ric Flair. Right. You looked at Ric Flair, and this is this is straight up shoot. I've met Ric Flair. I've worked amateur matches. Um, I worked an amateur match with his youngest son, Reed, way back when uh, Reed, I think, was like 11 or 12. I can't right. remember for sure. Um, and that kid was quick as grease lightning. Um, yes. What you saw of Ric Flair on TV was Ric Flair off TV. Right. When he said he was the high flying, let's see, what high styling, jet flying, limousine riding, son of a gun, I never yes. can get that right. But um, that was truly him. 
when he held that Rolex up in the camera and said, I'm wearing a $30,000 Rolex, I guarantee you that was a $30,000 Rolex. I've seen it. Oh, yes. He rented the planes for he and the, the horsemen to fly everywhere. He, he had the limos. He rented all that. It's called kayfabe. The key, the key thing about Ric Flair, not one illegal drug graced his system. Right. What he did, he put in the work, and it's one of the most inspirational comebacks in professional wrestling history when he survived that plane crash and came back. Right, and you look at Ric Flair. Okay, see, people's like, well, was- I see the guy on TV. Let me tell you something. Ric Flair, he is the true definition of what kayfabe means. Staying in character. See, a lot of kids today don't remember the days when you would be fined by a promoter if a heel got got caught uh, riding with a face or uh, you were having dinner with a face somewhere and you were about to put on a show, say, 20, 30 miles down the road. If you got caught, you were going to get fined. You wouldn't get a paycheck that And I'll say that, and when you say that, it brings up my topic on this. I've seen a show, and I'm not going to say no names, no even though I should, but I'm not going to. I'll be professional. Um, these two guys was working a show, okay? They were working a show with a bingo hall. Now, I, I'm sure you can only imagine where this is going. Uh, um, they were yeah. working a show at, at a bingo hall um, in in West Knoxville one time. Okay. Well, you know, I, I just so happened I got invited to be on the show, okay? I got invited to, to go down and work uh, Jimmy Golden. Okay, so I took I took the promoter up on that. That's more knowledge for me. Okay, and that's a name for me. And the things that I could learn working that match with him, well, hell yeah, I'm down. You know what I'm saying? So sign me up. Uh so um these two guys, okay, one of them was heel, one of them was baby, of course. Uh worked the show, done a great match, great match, five star classic, heavyweight title. Um, now, uh, always a heavyweight title don't always have to be included. You can have a heavyweight title match or a heavyweight title be included in a match and it be a three-star match. You can go out there and do a technical chain wrestling match with no title online and it be the best match of the night. Um, so, But I say that to say this. These two guys beat the hell out of each other for 30 minutes. Um, so, okay, had an awesome match, best match of the night. Well, two fans, now, these these two guys thought they got away with it. They went three miles down the road, three miles around the block from the from the bingo hall um, and eat at Ryan's, Ryan's Steakhouse, okay? No, it was Waffle King. Ryan's Steakhouse was a different, was a different story, but it was Waffle House, um, and they were eating, you know, eating, uh, yeah, re- uh, eating together. Well, what little they didn't know um, – Two fans were in there at the same time when they walked in together, and that them fans snapped pictures of them walking in, sitting down, eating together, uh, going outside, and they caught. They even had pictures of them riding together and posted it on the company's Facebook page and on their personal page, and said, "Kayfabe, yeah, this is fake." That's why I said, "This is that's the reason this business is dying because nobody knows kayfabe." Okay, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of bring you to a halt right there, 
<laughs> just because you said one word that just absolutely gets under my skin. And that's fake. Yes. I will give you I will give you every term in the world. K fake died. K fake died a long time ago. What? And that's unfortunate. <laughs> but I will give you scripted. I will give you predetermined. I will give you choreographed. I'll give you set up. I'll give you every term in the world, but I will not give you fake. And here's the reason why. If you want fake, watch a movie. Yep. When you've got the guy 20 feet up in the air about to jump off a building, and then you've got the director who says, cut! stunt double and then they bring in the stunt double wrap his rear end in a harness attach him to a crane and then he dives off onto a nine foot air mattress that's fake right i'm not saying he's not taking risks because the airbag could go back dead or whatever but they put all these things in place that's fake not to right. mention the fact he can do it three or four times to make it look better. Right. We get one shot. When when Mick Foley took the dive off the cage at Hell in a Cell, mm-hmm. he didn't land on no nine-foot air mattress. He went through a darn table onto the floor. Right. There was nothing fake about that. When you see, and if there are the fans that are listening, understand this. When they tell you, oh, the chairs are fake, no, we're the same chairs you can go to Lowe's and buy, or big lots and buy, because a lot of promotions goes and gets them there for you to sit in. It's the same chair. When, you, when a wrestler goes through a table, that is not a gimmick table. That's not a, a three-inch close cell phone table that you land on and, oh, it just looks so pretty. No, that's an honest-to-God table you can go to Lowe's and buy. Yeah, and it hurts. You can play cards on, and it hurts like the Dickens been through one, didn't like it. Mm. Uh, when you see these barbed wire matches, Got news for you, folks. They went and bought the barbed wire from Tractor Supply about three hours before they set up the ring. That's real yeah. honest barbed wire. When they throw them thumbtacks in the ring, that's real thumbtacks. They bought it at Walmart in the office supply section. What right. you see these guys fall on, go through, and do is not fake. They right. put their Bodies on the line for the fans. One of the greatest things I get to do as a referee is I have the luxury of being able to come out before the matches and talk with the fans. Right. And you can see some of them. And, Chris, you know this. I know you've seen it. You come out there. And you see the family of four or five, and you can see the weight of the world on dad and mom's shoulders. They right. bust their they bust their rear end forty hours a week 
save their money so that they've got the 40 or 50 bucks it takes to get their entire family into a rest in, independent wrestling show. Yes. Okay. It's called dedication. They, they, they come to the show and they sit down and you see that all they want is just a few minutes of the weight coming off their shoulders. Right. And I, you see it. I go back to the dressing room and I get suited up and I'm right. standing there at the gorilla knowing mm-hmm. that the only part I'm playing in a match is the narrator of the story. Right. I'm the one that doesn't need to be seen until it's time for me to be seen. I'm the unsung dude right. in the back. <laughs> but, right. but, codicil but when right. I step through that curtain and I step in that ring and I see that family that I talked to earlier and I've stepped in that ring I can you can literally see it to me you can literally see it the weight coming off those shoulders and for a couple and you, of hours you say that for a and couple you say of that. hours they're happy they're cheering yeah. the good guy. They're booing the bad guy. And they forgot about the cares of life, not having the money to pay the electric bill, maybe, or not having the money to to buy their kids an ice cream after the show or something. They, the, those cares went away, and they're in there enjoying what they're seeing. And I see that smile hit the face, and it's like I couldn't get a better paycheck. And because you, and you I made this. that family's night, and right, I lifted right, the rooms right. off of them for a little while. Yeah, that's you know I was I was working a show, um, it was down next to uh, down next to um, Danville. No, it was actually Cookville, Tennessee. Um, and I was a heel. I'd work in a guy that had been in the business two or three years. Um, my opinion, he shouldn't been in the ring two or three years in, but you know, I was paid to do a job, but that's, so that's what I done. Um, I went down, worked the guy, guy worked awesome, awesome match. Listen, um, he had a few mess ups, but that's normal. You know, I help me being in as long as I have, I mess up. There's going to be times where you mess up. We still learn every day. Um, the time here's, here's the way I look at it. When you, when you, uh, when you think you've learned it all, or you think you know it all, it's time to hang your boots up. Let me give uh, let me give you one that let me give you one that Mac McMurray gave me, and and you could get back to your story. Okay. And a lot of kids wouldn't understand this today. If you ain't learning, you ain't working. Right. This the the thought behind that is if you're not learning, and I'm 35 years into the business, be 36 on June the 5th next year, I believe it is. <clears throat> if you're not learning, the business is going to pass you by, and guess what you're not getting? You're not going to get bookings. You're not going to get to work. If you ain't learning, you ain't working. That's true. That That is very true, but, but on to the story here. This is a real emotional, and it'll probably touch you a little bit. Um, I was working a show in Cookville. You know, anybody with a heart, it would touch. 
Um, anybody that loves this business, it would touch. Um, and our viewers, if you're not watching live, then you can watch, you know, as it gets uploaded. Uh, you can go back and watch it. It'll be uploaded on Spotify, Google uh, Podcasts, and it's also going to be on uh, Apple iTunes as well. Um, you, you, I was working a show in Cookville, Tennessee. Um, I was the main event. Um, I was working for the uh, T T A S W title at the time. Um, Tennessee uh, Southern Wrestling Alliance um, heavyweight title. I didn't have the privilege to win that title, but it's what what really got me is after the after the match after the show. Um, this kid come up to me. I was I was putting my 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 bags in the car and getting ready to to go on home and, and get ready for the shoot the next day. Well, um, this kid had came up to me and he had took a picture of me in the ring. Um, I never I didn't even know he took it. And he come outside um, and he said, "Hey," he said. I took pictures of you. Is that okay? And, you know, with me being the heel that I am, you know, I kind of kind of ignored, you know what I'm saying, not paying him any mind, you know, trying to keep kayfabe and because we're so dead, I try to keep it alive every chance that I get. Um, and so his mom come up to me and, and really started talking to me and come to find out that this kid had, had leukemia, okay? Um and it's real touching for me to tell this kind of story, and I'll probably cry or tear up a little bit when I do. Um, this this kid had came, his mom had started talking to me, and oh man, it's tough. Uh, his mom started talking to me and, and telling me his 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 story and his past and everything like that. So if I tear up or or shed or shed a boohoo, I'm sorry. Um, but his mom came up to me, you know, telling me what what it what he'd been through and this and that, that his doctors three weeks ago, his doctors give him three months to live. And, uh, and, uh, he said, uh, Oh man, this is tough. Uh, she said, do you care to take it? All he ever wanted, all he ever wants is to take a picture with a pro wrestler. I don't consider myself as a, as a entertainer. I consider myself as a wrestler. So, I said, sure, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's the reason, that's the reason I broke kayfabe. But, um, after that, after that, he, he told me, he said, you know what? He said, I was real sick this morning. That kid told me, you know, he was stuttering a little bit. He was, he was nervous is what it was. Um, he told me, he said, I was really sick this morning when I got up and he said, um, when I came to this show, he said, you're the reason that I fight every day for my life. Like you fight for your career. Um, and at that time, you know, it really got to me. And, uh, and I told him, I took a picture with him, everything like that. Went and got it printed off. He waited in the parking lot on me. I came back as soon as I could, went out to Walmart, got it printed off and I signed it for him. And I told him, I told him his name was his name was uh, Michael at the time. His name was Michael. This one, this story here, his name was Michael. And I said, I tell you what, little boy, I said you go fight cancer, and you go kick cancer's ass, like I just kicked that guy's ass in that ring tonight. And you could just feel, you could feel the electricity change. You could feel the vibe change, and. Uh, 
and three almost three weeks ago that little boy sent me a message and then I found out three days ago that he passed away. Oh my goodness. So that's that's the reason that I do what I do. It's not for the money. It's not for the fame. It's for it's to it's for stuff like that that I do what I do. And if that don't touch somebody, then that person has to be heartless. You know, uh, that's just that that's that's where Kfa be danged. Yes, Kfa be danged. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I'd have done the same thing, with without question. Face heel doesn't matter. That that goes without without saying. And my son Jared has gotten the same kind of same kind of stuff because he has a big problem with uh, large crowds, a lot of noise. Right. When he goes to matches with us, he'll usually find somewhere out of the way to be out of the big booming speakers or somewhere. Right. He'll sit back and watch. But he uh, he when you put a lightsaber in this kid's hand, It's like Superman. It's like Clark Kent stepping into the phone booth. Right. Okay. He uses that lightsaber as a teaching tool, for for lack of a better term. Because right. in in our house, like I say, my oldest is profoundly autistic. Um. Jared is on the, the high end of the spectrum. In our house, there's no such thing as a disability. It's discovering a new ability. Right. And, I like that. I like that. Jared, it, it all happened back in Cookville. We used, right. to, we used to live in Gainesboro. I know you know, I know, you know where Gainesboro is. Just oh, yeah. Side, just the other side of Cookville. It's where I met Toby because yeah. he's from around that area. Um, right. But Valor Fights was coming in. One of my good friends is medical director for him, Mark Laws. And uh, mm-hmm. him and Jared got to talking. It was like, well, we'll have to battle in the cage with lightsabers. Mark said, when we get to cook, we'll bring them. And so the matches were over, and Mark and Jared got in the ring and had a lightsaber fight. And it was awesome to see this kid throw his fears away. Right. And have fun with the lightsaber. Well, it kind of branched upwards from there. He decided if I can do this, I can show other kids they can do it too. And they can overcome autism. They can overcome their fears. And so Team Jedi Jared was born. And he did some work at uh, Evolution. He had the rematch with uh, Mark Laws at evolution uh the pyro scared him to death we came out and the the pyro went off and he just kind of went back to me he said, god dad that's hot i said i know it's hot son but do your flare come on we're in front of the people so he got his he's got his lightsaber flare going and then it was up in the ring and and it was the first time for him really up in front of a crowd and the kids right. shone, the kids shone like new money Right. And, and there are people who will tell you that 
Oh, it's just a kid. You know he's going to win. Yada, yada, yada. What is all this crap? Well, no, that's my kid overcoming something that put him in fear. Right. I get that. I like, yeah. I like, you know, I like it, what you said earlier. It's not about living with a disability. It's about discovering a new dis. It's about discovering a new ability. I like that. I really Absol- do. Absolutely, it's discovering a new ability to overcome what is allegedly holding you back. Right, I like that. It, and um, the last lightsaber match Jared was in, and I'll send you the link to the YouTube uh, video of it um, after we get done. I'll send you the YouTube link through Messenger. Um, the last okay. lightsaber match he had was, to me, it was off the hook. Now, yes, yes, we had the beginning worked out. Yes, we had a finish worked out, but we had a finish worked out that would go both ways. Right. Because the match they actually had was a shoot. Right. Um, we adapted. We had adaptive rules for the lightsaber contest. No headshots. Um, shots only counted if they went to the bowling pin area of the body. They had to be clean, untouched. Hands were part of the lightsaber. Did not count if you tagged the hands. Uh, they had to be clean shots, scored a point. Uh, then you determined a winner for each round. Whoever won best two out of three rounds won the match. All right. Um, so we had we had an afterwards for either finish that would happen. Either Jared would win or Jared would lose. We didn't know because the match right. was a shoot. When he took on Tony Kilgore in Morristown, Tennessee, in that lightsaber right. battle, my career was on the line with his. If he lost, right. I was done. Right. And the match was at the match he had with Tony Gilgore was actually a shoot. You can you can see when I'm coaching him in the ring in between rounds, I'm honestly telling him, you gotta do this. You gotta do this. Here's what you need to be doing. And then luckily come the end of the third round, Jared won. And um, we went with the winner's finish and uh, Jared didn't know what was gonna happen when the Southern Bad Boys came out and saved our bacon. And uh, he got to tear into Tony Kilgore with a kendo stick. <laughs> but, right, but right. I they, like it. And Jedi Jared standing right here next to me. But uh, hey, anyway. Um, I'm sorry to butt in, but um, the genuine question for you, and maybe the podcast would want to know, what would you have found a way to come back to it if we had lost, or would you have been out for good? I'd, I'd have left. Oh, okay. I'd have left for good. Um. But they gave Jared his first true championship belt. That's good. And the elation you saw on this kid was real. It was all real. And that's what pro wrestling is all about, is giving the fans something to say, you know, I can forget my cares for just a little while. Right. And, I mean, you talking, you know, we talk about wrestling being a family. Um, Bill Goldberg cut a promo for Jared. B.A. Right. Billy Gunn cut a promo for Jared. Jack Swagger cut a promo for Jared. And, you know, you're talking mainline WWE superstars. And they cut right. promos for my kid. Right. How awesome is this? Um, it, Ryback even did a promo. Um, 
But these, these, I mean, these are things when true professional wrestlers who have a passion for the business, who have a passion for what they do, will do something like that. Because what does that do? It shows that they care, that they actually give a darn about the fans. Right. The fans is what, you know, make everything. But I'm going to go ahead and let you know, man, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this part up um, and try to get, try to get it going and get it published. Uh, But that's, um, do you want to say anything in closing? Um, You know, like I said, any shows nearby, uh, upcoming events for you or, uh, you Um, know, anything like that? Yeah. We've got a show coming up, Morristown, Tennessee, Russellville National Guard Armory, ICWA. I believe it is next Saturday night. I am old and feeble and senile, and my memory isn't what it used to be. I believe it is next Saturday night, and then the following Saturday night, we will be in Sevierville, Tennessee for a free show. Oh, what was the name of the place? We're doing it in the parking lot. We show. Oh, Chris, I'll send you the info in Messenger and you can throw it out there. Um, but if okay. I'm going to throw one match out there and then I'm going to shut up. Um, fans, if you want to see what true passion and true talent is in the ring and it's not fake, if you want to see this, look up a match on YouTube. It was NWA Smoky Mountain. The Ugly Ducklings versus Hot Fire Myron Reed, and I believe he went by Mickey Midas in that match. They were tagged. Oh my by- God, that was a killer! Was that you saw it? Was yes. That- I became a fan in that match. I mean, yes, that match was totally off the chain and if you have not seen it you have got to see it because it was epic and i was so honored and privileged to have been able to work that match and stand in that ring with them yes i mean guys make sure make sure you uh make sure you follow icwa uh, make sure you keep up to date with them guys make sure you get out there and watch them make sure you su- support your indie wrestling uh support your indie wrestling promotions uh, support your indie stars as far as referees like Carlos, wrestlers, myself, Mickey Midas, Myron Reed, all, all your indie guys. Make sure you follow them. Uh, make sure you uh, make sure you support your local indie wrestling. Uh, you never know. You may be looking at the next WWE or AEW superstar. Right, right. And you know, make sure y'all one, keep up. Let me get one more plug in. Go ahead. Make sure you stay up on top of WFS. We've got great things coming as soon as we get through this COVID thing. Uh, we are coming back, and we're coming back with a vengeance. Um, we're going to be bringing you some of the top stars and some of the best wrestling in the area today. Keep your eyes open on WFS. Follow us on Facebook, as well as ICWA, Intense Championship Wrestling Asylum. Follow us there. Now, one of the big returns that come that is coming. And now that I know how to do a podcast, because this is the first podcast I have ever done. Thank you, Chris, for bringing right. me in on this. In awesome. the locker room with the ultimate zebra will be returning soon. 
very soon. All right. All right. Uh, the the what the if you don't know about in the locker room with the ultimate zebra, what that is is that is me taking you behind the curtain just like Chris does. We'll talk all things independent wrestling. If you want to dive into WWE, we can go there. If you want to dive into AEW, Impact, MLW, we can go there. You want to talk AAA, right. Lucha Libre, we can go there. New Japan, we can go there because I, well, live, breathe, eat, sleep, and uh, poop wrestling. Um, right. There's not a day goes by that I'm not watching something. Uh, and I'm learning what I'm watching this because I'm watching those referees and I'm watching the talent and I'm trying to pick up things that I need to know. But in the locker room with the Ultimate Zebra, we'll be coming back. We'll be coming back with a vengeance. I'm going to be talking to a lot of uh, a lot of guys that maybe you have heard of, maybe you haven't. Um, I'm going to be talking with uh, Adrian Street about coming on to the show. I'm going to be talking to Nick Aldis. I'm going to be talking to uh, Jack Dane. I'm going to be talking to a lot of guys to see if I can get them come on the show and bring you a perspective that you haven't seen before. And right, you know right. we're actually is. in the process of uh, we're actually in the process of bringing um, trying to talk with Nick Aldis about bringing him on our podcast here in the future, maybe that in 2021. So we're trying to get him on. You know, he's no just been having his wife people. on either. We all know his wife is Mickey James. Right, right, and we're we're trying to uh, we're trying to do like a uh, couples part, like do the first part her, and then the you know the second part you know him, um, and try to learn a little bit about him. If you don't know who he is, you need to get out from under the rock that you're living <laughs> up and look up Nick Aldis on YouTube. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. And guys, like I said, that's about wraps it up for us here on the War Zone Podcast. Here behind the curtain, make sure you support your local indie wrestling uh, promotion make sure you support your local indie wrestlers and female talent um, because you got females that can do this just as good if not better than us men um make sure you support them guys make sure you support your local indie wrestling and guys i want to say good night i want to say it's been awesome having carlos on with us tonight i want to say it's been a huge honor and a privilege it's uh it's been tremendously it tremendously tremendously my honor thank you for asking me to uh come on and uh, to all the people listening god bless you we love you fans we can't wait to get you back into an arena and uh, in the immortal words of one of my heroes in the business. Understand, if you will, we are looking for you live and in technical to bring it to your household. Let you see what we do. Let us work the magic for you because we love you being there. This is the American Dream Dusty Road saying you need to be listening to the War Zone podcast every chance you get because Chris has got it going on. Understand, we'll bring it to you live and in technical. And if you don't, the American Dream Dusty Road is going to bring hard times down upon your household. <laughs> there it is, guys. Yes, I love you, Carlos, Thank guys. you for having me on, man. You do, man. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. See you soon.